Today, we bring on Sawyer Gibson Long to talk ball all today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And now we can finally talk to him. <laughs> Welcome aboard uh, Sawyer Gibson Long to the program. How you doing, man? What's going on, Scott? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. I I, uh, I think my just first and foremost, let's just start with like how Springs treating you, how Camp's treating you. Obviously, got a little bit of uh, you know that situation with who's on the minor league and major league camp is so fluid. So you kind of mm-hmm. been up and down a little bit. Just how's it been so far? Yeah. So this is my first time in Lakeland. Um, a little bit different than Fort Myers. I was with the Twins before this, and mm-hmm. down there it's pretty tropical so you know during the spring and summer it's it's very hot and being a little bit farther north in florida is the weather's a lot nicer i I will say but um yeah i've been uh going back and forth between between camps and i've been getting some action in the big league game so that's been pretty awesome for me too this is my first year doing that for sure no i can imagine i uh, i guess we'll just start with the beginning of your Detroit Tigers organization career, right? Obviously at the deadline, uh, you and Michael Fulmer, your names will forever be tied. And and now you end up as part of the organization. Just talk to me about the trade itself coming over and, and kind of the, the beginning of your, uh, of your Tigers career so far. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it was unexpected, but I guess I was still a little surprised when I got traded, you know, nobody, nobody, exactly knows what's going on so it's it's all in the front office they don't tell you anything so when I got the call I was um it was it was a hectic day for sure but you know I I got the call and uh basically was on the road the next day and I go to I go to Portland Maine that's where the Seawolves were playing so I reported to the double-a team and I got there I think the deadline was Tuesday I traveled Wednesday uh, my first workout with the team was on Thursday. I didn't make it in time to get to the game on Wednesday, but I was there Thursday and then I was starting for them on Friday. So it was a pretty quick turnaround, like trying to figure out where I was at and get to know some of the guys before I started. So I, I would say I was a little nervous out there, you know, you know, switching teams like that. But it, it was a wild couple of days for me. Well, life comes at you fast, man. That's yeah. yeah, that's certainly a roller coaster. Well, uh, I think uh, I I want to talk a little bit about just that Seawolves team in general, and we kind of talked a little bit off air before we started recording about how you know I I asked the same thing to Brennan White, just like that team obviously had a lot of success, and and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how up to date you are on your Seawolves history, but like that that team hadn't made the playoffs in quite a long time, and yeah. uh, to to just kind of be like shot out of a cannon and just put onto that roster in the middle of a season, you know, and, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, the minors, there's a lot of demotions and promotions and stuff happening all the time, but just kind of to, to be entered straight into that. And then 
kind of finish mm-hmm. off the season on a high note there. What was it like just kind of being placed into that roster mid-season, given where the season ended up taking you guys? Yeah, I when I got there, I didn't know a whole lot about that league. Um, I had never played in that league before, but uh, I had I gotten there and I had done my research a little bit before I got there, and I realized, you know, this this team's pretty good. Like, they win a lot of games. And and so I, I was assuming I was going to go into a – into a clubhouse where the guys were, you know, going to be super serious and like, like, like every game mattered. But actually when I got there, everybody was, was very comfortable and they welcomed me and they weren't, you know, I, I, I didn't feel, you know, left out or anything. I think everybody was super friendly when I got there and the, the vibe in the clubhouse was awesome. And I think, I think that's why they won a lot of games. It wasn't that, you know, everybody was I, – I, I believe everybody was, um, you know, like vibed well together and we all meshed and, and I fit pretty well into that, that clubhouse when, when I got there. For sure. For sure. Well, I, I and again, just with the amount of uh, – I guess the word is turnover, kind of with that pitching staff even specifically, you know, uh, a, a lot of guys getting either from below that level getting moved up and then at that level and then like moved up you know um i i would imagine that that they were they were they were pleased to see you walk through the door as well and mm-hmm. so when, when talking about the type of pitcher you are just like on the field specifically you know you have very very solid strikeout numbers and very very low walk numbers which is obviously mm-hmm. something that uh, this front office especially, but all front offices like those two things. So sure. just talk to me about the the type of pitcher you are specifically and what kind of leads to that. Yeah, well, I'm a strike thrower, and I might not have the best stuff by any metrics, but I'm going to fill up the zone with what I got that day. And as a pitcher, you know, at any level, you always have the upper hand. The batter is at a disadvantage no matter how good they are. Like, I'll, I'll take my chances throwing what I have that day in the zone down the middle than giving them any free passes. And the best two pitches in baseball are strike one and strike two. It doesn't matter how you get them. Dang right. You know, but once you do get them, you're in a really good spot, you know, getting to two strikes quick. And that's been my MO for my career, you know, getting, getting ahead, staying ahead. And I think with the Tigers, I fit in really well. The twins did a good job of that when I was with them. You know, they they preach, you know, the same thing. Uh, strikes matter. You know, keep your walks down. Don't throw as many balls. You have a better chance in the zone. And when I got over here to the Tigers, the the culture was very similar. It was like, you know, we want you to throw strikes, all your pitches in the zone, you know, be as nasty as you can. But at the end of the day, you know, strikes matter the most. For sure. Well, I, I kind of want to piggyback off that. And uh, another question that I ask a lot of the dudes in the organization, especially on the pitching side of things, is just talk about the uh, the coaching and the development staff in place. Because I, I know that you are relatively new to the organization, but just th- there has been so much turnover as far as like the the coaching staffs at the minor league levels and the and the development staff at the minor league level in the last two years really I guess since Hinch mm-hmm. kind of got on board and then now obviously again kind of with the the change at at the top there with Scott Harris so 
mm-hmm. I, I did want to ask you about that and and what you are what conversations you're having with them and and what you guys are looking for specifically when when you talk about adjustments and improvements and stuff just whether it's a, a name or a strategy or whatever just like what is uh, what, what is helping you grow so far within the Tigers organization? Yeah, so I came into the organization um, with one fastball. Uh, I just threw a four seam, and it was pretty good. It, it, it played well enough. Um, I'm my I would say my off speed offerings are a little better than my fastball. But when I got here, the Tigers did a really good job of noticing, you know, how I moved and like my my hand at release and, and what, what kind of movements I tended towards. So they talked to me about it and they were like, we think you can, um, we think you can throw a sinker. And if you're familiar with the concept of seam shifted wake, um, when you throw, uh, hold on, I'll get a baseball and show you. Oh, um, I love it. <laughs> so basically like, I guess a traditional two seam would, would like, you want the axis to be spinning like sideways like this. So when it spins sideways, what happens is like it kills the vertical. So it it basically makes the ball drop to like, to get to that. You, if you want to get there, either you have to really pronate your wrist over or another way is there's a kind of a, uh, um, I guess, a how, how the air works around the baseball. It's kind of a physics equation, but like if you have a tendency to be like on the side of the ball at release. So when I release the ball, my hands a little bit supinated, meaning my pinky's a little bit forward versus like my index finger being forward and pronation. I'm kind of like on this side of the ball. Sure. So it like comes out of my hand like this. So what the tigers wanted me to try and do was like get this concept of seam shifted wake where, if I can throw the baseball and have it spin out of my hand, almost like I'm cutting it. There's this little, like there's this little part of the ball right here, this little smooth part that if it comes out of my hand a certain way like this, this little smooth part is kind of facing the hitter. What happens is the air, I don't know exactly how it happens, but the air catches this side of the ball and basically tilts the axis down for you instead of having to like pronate the pitch the air currents around the ball make the make the axis drop so that was kind of um the biggest thing when i got here was like we want you to try and throw a sinker and i was like okay i i'd been used to i i'd thrown a sinker in college before um, but i didn't really have any good numbers on it i didn't have any analytics in college or know rap soda or track man or anything like that so i didn't know really how good it was and it, it it had been successful for me in college and then finally when i when i got here i started messing around with it and i noticed it had a lot more movement than i thought it would and just throwing that a lot more and adding that to my arsenal with my four seam that has decent enough vertical movement like both of those play off each other really well and I've seen success so far facing batters and in lives and stuff, and I'm really happy where it's at. Well, that's awesome. That that's a that that's a to pick that up uh, really at any level, I guess. But um, like in the middle of a pro career is super cool. And, and 
I, I wanted to going into it. I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, when you first came over, one of the things that a lot of analysts and, and like media people like myself kind of talked about was how much spin you had on really like all of your pitches, but like your mm-hmm. breaking stuff as well has, has a lot of spin. And, and I was going to ask how that kind of played into development and, and how that plays into your game and, and I don't know how intentional, I guess that is for you. And uh, mm-hmm. you kind of answered some of the questions there, but I'll, I'll ask yeah. again, just in, in regards to spin with really anything, you know, no matter what pitch it is, how how much has that been something you pay attention to and how aware are you of that on like a game-to-game, week-to-week type of basis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, spin for me hasn't really been a big part of my development, I would say. I think I've always had that in my arsenal, so I haven't really chased like higher spin rates. Um, personally to me, like trying to spin the ball more doesn't really do a whole lot in terms of movement. Um, and like with my slider being a high spin rate pitch as it is, I'm not, I'm not necessarily trying to get an extra hundred or 200. I I have enough already where maybe if I, maybe if I tried to like mess with it, it might, might throw my mechanics off a little bit. Um, to be honest, like. I don't really look at I, I I don't really look at it that much. I would say more of like how's the pitch moving just overall, whether the spin's high or the or the spin's low. And I know it's like a big big thing in baseball. Like you want your pitches to like have high spin. Back in the day when we were allowed to use sticky stuff or whatever, and they banned it. Like pitcher spin rates drop down, and I I never I never really used that stuff ever, but. Um, I also, I, you know, I played around with it in the off season to see if it messed with like movement and I didn't see a whole, there wasn't a difference for me, whether I was experimenting with it or not, like trying to artificially increase the spin rate. I, so for me, I don't really look at it as, as a big part of like my development and my game. For sure. That, yeah. It's, it's just, it's super fascinating because you're definitely not the first person that I've talked to within the organization that has said that, right? Like we, mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, like we talked to Brennan White and he kind of said a similar thing and and honestly alluded to what you talked about earlier with um, a lot of like release point stuff and and things about that and not as much spin. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's fascinating because that's that like you said, that is something that that so many people seem to hold on to and and care a great deal amount. But um, it's the, the more and more like actual professional pitchers I talk to, the more answers I get kind of along uh, uh, your answer there. And, you know, like transitioning then from that into just right now, I mean, obviously you said you're, you're working on the sinker and, and I, you know, clearly that's an exciting thing to start the season off and kind of showcase a new pitch and see how it works for you. What else are you, really looking at developmentally this upcoming season? Like what other adjustments are you making to, to uh, in preparation for the season that you're kind of excited to, to showcase this summer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I guess just overall my, I would say my velocity is a little higher. Um, I think last year during spring training or at the beginning of spring training, I was in the low nineties and I, it wasn't really, 
for me where I wanted to be at the time. And it kind of bled into the season a little bit. I got maybe a little bit in my head about it, like why am I throwing slow? And so this year I came in and I, you know, made a couple mechanical adjustments and um, started moving a little faster. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting comfortably in, you know, 93, 94, 95 range. And I feel really good where I'm at going into the season with a few more weeks left of spring training. I can see my numbers getting up a little bit higher if, you know, I stay on that track. So that's been the biggest thing. And then, you know, I've always had, I've always had to work on my changeup, I would say. And, and that's been a big, big part of my development this, this spring as well. So I'm really focused hard on that, trying to create that same like seam shift with the changeup. It's hard for me to pronate my hand. I'm like I said, like when I release the ball, I'm kind of on the side of it this way. So getting that, you know, seam shifted effect on the ball of my changeup to get a little more vertical break off of it has has helped a whole lot too. For sure. Well, I one question I I also ask uh, everybody, no matter what position you play. One question I I love to ask is just, what is your I guess favorite is the right word, even though that kind of sounds like weird to say. But what is the the number or stat or analytic or whatever that you look at the most? What is the one thing that, you know, if, if that number is looking good, you're going to be pleased with how your game went, how your season's going, et cetera? Yeah, I think it's a tie between strike percentage and velocity. Usually when I'm throwing hard, I feel pretty good. Sure. Like that goes for all my pitches. So if my fastball's hard, if my slider's hard, I guess changeup would be different. Like I want that to be slow, but if I if I'm throwing hard, my can my mechanics are on. Even if my changeup is a little hard, usually it has a a lot more movement. So I would definitely say velocity for sure. And then it, it I guess it also doesn't matter if I'm not throwing my pitches in the zone. So it doesn't matter if I'm throwing a hundred if I can't find the strike zone. Um. Those are very, very, it's a very tight race there. Sure. Very fair. Yeah. Well, I, I think that the, the, you know, velocity is always great, obviously. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I also think that the, the strike percentage thing, you know, that's something that um, not, not that this organization or fan base or whatever was just like ignorant to a year ago, but mm -hmm. uh, something that has, has really taken the forefront in a lot of people's minds, myself included when, you know, like talking about the Tigers organization top to bottom just because of uh, how important management and upper management has kind of just been like preaching it constantly. So I, I know we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but just talk about that again. And, and uh, if if the organization is as loud about it publicly as they are internally, I guess, and then mm -hmm. Uh, how important uh, just, you know, again, that is kind of for you, those, those low walk numbers, you know, Scott Harris's favorite thing is, is dominate the strike zone. Like how, yeah. how much is that kind of in the back of your mind all the time? Uh, you know, like I don't stress myself out about it. Like if I throw a ball, I'm not going to like fall right. and be like, Scott Harris is going to fire me. Right. Yeah. yeah I'm not be like that, but I'm also like very aggressive when I'm on the mound and it's like a good kind of aggressive. Like I'm going to attack the hitter. I'm not, I don't care. Like, like I want to throw hard and I want to throw in the zone. I'm not necessarily like trying to pinpoint exactly like bottom third corner every single time. Sure. 
you know, I, I want to fill up the zone. I know where my pitches play at and I know where they're, where they're good. I'm trying to throw to a specific spot, I guess, but I'm not being so fine where I'm going to be like pushing the ball or changing my mechanics to like maybe get it in the zone. Like I'm trying to attack. I'm trying to throw it through the catcher. You know, I'm trying to be aggressive. And when I'm, when I'm aggressive and I'm not thinking about anything other than striking the hitter out, that's when I throw a lot of strikes. It's when I'm thinking about, it's when I'm thinking about throwing the strike that I don't throw the strike. Cause right. then I start to think about, well, I don't want to throw a ball, but then I'm thinking about throwing a ball also. So I'm kind of all over the place. I'm just, I want to be in attack mode and I want to fill up the zone. I want to attack the hitter. And that, that for me leads to better results than anything else. Sure. Yeah. The old adage, don't think throw, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very, very fair. I, I, uh, you know, one of the, other things we're starting to see a lot in the organization is um, versatility. And it's super easy to see it on the offensive side of things, right? Like you see so many players, you know, getting asked to play multiple positions and whatnot. But uh, I think it's a, it's something that is becoming very prevalent on the pitching side of things too. Like there are a lot of players now who, uh, whether again, whether it's management or the front office or whatever have, uh, really started to, you know, like you can be either a long inning reliever or a starter if we need you. And we can kind of, you know, kind of that, that versatility to have both of those options available for a lot of these pitchers, you know, like Garrett Hill, somebody who we're seeing that a lot with and, and Alex Fiedo, et cetera. So mm -hmm. um, is that a conversation? I don't want to say like, is that a conversation you've had necessarily, but is that something that is, is maybe talked about as well, where, not that you're going to overnight just turn into like a one inning back end reliever or anything, but is it, is that versatility kind of a, a conversation that's had throughout the, the, the development plan, I guess. Um, not, it, not really. I would say, I think people, um, they don't really care where you are, I guess, like as long as you help the team win. Even if you're in the bullpen or you're starting, if you're helping the team win, that's what matters. So for me, I don't care if I'm in the bullpen or if I'm starting. Like if if AJ or Scott thinks that I'm going to give the team the best chance to win if I'm starting, then I want to start. And if he thinks I'm better as a closer, then I'm going to close or long relief or whatever. Like it doesn't matter to me. You know, I'm I'm here to help the team win and and if whatever role I end up in and you know if that's that brings a ring eventually then that's what I want to do all right I, I love it I uh I, I think just like a, a total pivot here I, I do want to talk about I have a lot of family uh down in Georgia and I want to talk right. about you growing up down in Georgia right. and, and and playing baseball in Georgia and just like the landscape yeah of baseball like I, I don't think people like up north really realize like i mean baseball down there is is uh you know like dang near religion and and mm -hmm. uh kind of you know hockey up here baseball down there sure. kind of thing i feel like so i i, I did want to ask you about that and just obviously mercer as well just kind of the the, the baseball landscape down there growing up mm -hmm. yeah it was really competitive you know trying to get on the best team like you had East Cobb 
and Lake Point and all these big places to go play. And like, there was a lot of media coverage there and whatever, a lot of attention when you went and played in those places. So, um, yeah, it is, it is a, it is a crazy culture down there in, in Georgia. And, um, I, I didn't really growing up there. I didn't take it like super serious. Like I knew I kind of wanted to go to college with baseball, but I wasn't worried too much about like my prospect rankings or like going to, you know, prospect camps or perfect game things. Like I just wanted to play ball and have fun and play with my buddies. And it was more of like, I would say the parents kind of did that stuff versus the kids. Like the kids just want to play and compete with each other and everybody, everybody else makes it bigger than it actually is. So, um, yeah, I I mean, going, going to college also in Georgia was cool being, being at home and, like that's Mercer's a competitive baseball school too. And I kind of wanted to go there always. And, you know, it was good for me to get exposure being down in Georgia. Also being able to play against that competition and have success. I think I got a lot more exposure than I would have like anywhere else, especially, you know, up North or somewhere where baseball isn't such a big, big thing. So, yeah. For sure. Did you, were you at Mercer when the Duke game happened, or was that just before? No, that was way before. No, oh, okay. it was like it was like 2013. I think my freshman year was 17. So, oh, okay. Was, so it was, it was while, I was just curious if that was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure no, you guys had some we, big wins. We still there talk too, about it <laughs> 10 years later. Kind of need to close the yearbook. I have so, no doubt. I have no doubt. Well, was, uh, the only other question I have for you, and then I'll let you get on your way, is. Uh, Something that I I also ask every single prospect that comes on is with, so you obviously played a lot in Erie. I want to know favorite, whether it's a a, like sports bar or restaurant or whatever, just like favorite place to go in Erie. Oh, Mm. well, I'm not like, I'm not like a huge person to go out. So I don't, I don't really drink and, but I, I, I like hang out with the guys and whatever, but sure, yeah. there's a, there's actually a museum in, in Erie. Um, God, what was it? It was, uh, it was a Erie Maritime Museum. Like they had uh, um, a lot of history about the Great Lakes there and like the Civil War and stuff. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of a history nerd and, that was, that was kind of cool to see uh, that part of the country and to see like how the civil war and the revolutionary war played out in up there in in the great lakes and how like the Navy operated back then in those lakes. So that was really interesting to me. I was, I was honestly only in Erie, I think like four weeks total because we were traveling still a lot. So like that was a cool spot. And then actually right next door, there's like, an outdoor bar that I hung out, you know, they had live music and, and stuff, but that was a cool part of cool part of Erie. There's like two big hotels there and then the museum and the outdoor bar, they had like live music and stuff and it it would get pretty packed, but that that was a cool spot for sure. 
I love it. I love it. Well, I appreciate you stopping by for real. I will, uh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll throw this up tomorrow. It'll be cool. Well, tomorrow, <laughs> I'm saying this in the recording. Obviously, the people will hear it uh, yeah. on Wednesday. Um, appreciate you. Good luck this season. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely be in touch. All right. Thanks, Scott.